episode 81, Danny. Yes, it is, Tyler. And this is Fried Squirms, and we're going to be talking about They Look Like People. And that's not in reference to us. <laughs> well, maybe. It's going to be a fun episode. This one was suggested a while back from a listener of ours, and I'm glad that they did suggest this film. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Yeah, I don't really have any news for this week myself. I didn't really look at anything, and nothing really came up for me. So I don't okay. know. Do you have anything? Yeah, I got a few bits of information, I suppose. So this week, I did catch, and I believe you did as well, the first three episodes of Hulu's Castle Rock. Oh, yeah, I guess I was going to talk about that. Fuck, I'm dumb. Okay, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah, dude, so without giving away too much, I really enjoyed it. I like the direction they're going in. I can see the appeal of doing like the week-to-week. Yeah, it's nice to have them all at one time, but I kind of like the anticipation of a week-to-week format. And we did get the first three all at once. Yeah, which so. is cool. So I'm happy. So far, so good. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it as well. It makes me kind of wish that I knew more Stephen King so I could catch more of the references. references, Yeah, I had Um, to look up names and places and all that shit. Well, because I know like Pangborn is from a number of things, right? Yeah, from what I understand. Like I was catching a lot of references, but from what I understand, like the main thing that this show is referencing is something I haven't read. I can't think what it is off the top of my head. but Well, I'm kind of um, in the same boat. But that gives us reason to go out and perhaps read those at a future date. But yeah, I like the way the show's set up. And it's got a lot of familiar faces. A lot of big actors, too. Needful Things. Okay. I guess the show is referencing Needful Things a lot. I haven't seen Needful Things. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't know the reference outside of Which is sad yeah. because I now feel like I need to watch it. Because it turns out Ed Harris is Alan Pangborn. Yeah, I saw that earlier this week. (laughs) It's like, I'm a huge fan of Ed Harris. He's a damn good actor. So yeah, I mean, that's a big name. For those who are familiar, they'll understand it. And yeah, you're looking up The Dark Half, which I think is what Needful Things is based on. Yeah. And there's references to show that like the shit that happened in Needful Things happened in the show. There's definitely been like Cujo reference. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, Stand By Me reference. Yeah. Who knows if the reference is more to the short story or to the movie with this show? Point, they haven't. Yeah. I mean, things are already getting changed around so that it can work within the show, but I don't know what they're taking as their point of canon. You know what I mean? I see what you're saying, yeah. So I don't know if it's based off of the short story, which is what, just like the body or something like that? I think you're right, yeah. Like yeah, he's said, got a ton of shorts, too. Oh, yeah, my so. God, yeah. What else is sort of jumping at me? So there's definitely kind of an it vibe, but I don't think Skarsgård is Pennywise. I don't either, the way that things are going. And that's not giving away too much, but I read a little excerpt throughout the week where he said it was kind of the complete opposite of what Pennywise is. One of the characters is definitely Shining. I mean, it's pretty damn obvious. Super Shining. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, there's a Torrance in it, so we don't know what's going to happen with that yet. Yeah, it's not point. the girl that's shining, so... No, but we don't know what to extent that Torrance influence or references into, you know? There's a very heavy Pet Cemetery vibe that they keep leaning towards there in different is. ways. Which is cool, because we covered it not too long ago. What else? I'm getting a little bit of a Misery vibe from the one chick. Yeah, I can totally see that. A little bit different of a Misery vibe, kind of on the DL on that. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I can totally see that. And of course, a bunch of shit's happening in Shawshank. Oh man, that's like the biggest reference you're going to get to any of his novels or movies. Including the bullet still being in the wall from where the fucking warden offed himself at the end of Shawshank Redemption. Well, I think Patrick even noted too, the opera from Shawshank Redemption 
when I guess Andy Dufresne was listening to or whatnot. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, they've already used that. So, I mean, there's cool little references here and there and homages. And then, of course, just like every other actor, as we've mentioned oh, before, yeah. has already been in a Stephen King Which I like. I mean, that's flick. saying a lot that you can so. pull those names on board with a project like this. So, kudos to them. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. There's still a lot of mystery going yes, on. There is. I'm really wondering what the fuck is happening, basically. <laughs> nice. I don't know how many answers we've gotten so far, really. I know. I it's hard it's to tell zero. from three episodes in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of foreshadowing that we'll eventually pick up on the more that we watch it. But outside of Castle Rock this week, there are a few bits of information I read. So, one of them being that we have covered this film and. It's having an upcoming readaptation, and that is that it has been confirmed the original Halloween is slashing its way onto 4K Ultra HD this September. So, thanks to information from High Def Disc News and Diabolic. Diabolic is actually a really good company if you're looking for some really good horror films. So, on September 25th of this year, there is going to be a 4K Ultra if you want a copy of that. And then I saw, along with that, that there's a German company. They're called Nameless Media. They are actually selling the complete uncut Masters of Horror series on Blu-ray. So, for those who are interested and need to watch those... I might be interested in that. At one time, I did have a really cool, like, second season box set that was in a skull. And, you know, you'd pick up the skull and the disc laid on top of there. But, you know, from moving from South Carolina up to here somewhere, I got lost in transition. But I'm looking at the Blu-ray. It looks pretty Plus, DVD's all well and good, but Blu-ray is just, yeah, shoulders above. All right, so along with that, I told you at one time or at a certain point that Hereditary, which might be one of my favorite horror films ever in the theater, Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, the cast has been announced for director Ari Aster's new project, and it's a pagan cult horror film. So I'm looking at some of the cast. It has Jack Rayner, Will Poulter, there's Florence Pugh, they're on board. There's Wilhelm Bobgrim, there's William Jackson Harper, Elora Toshia, and Archie Maroweke. So for those who are interested, and for those who liked Hereditary, he's got a new film, and at least he's got the cast name, so that's kind of pretty cool. Speaking of casts, there is a full cast for Us, which is Jordan Peele's next thriller, has been announced as well. Probably don't necessarily have to go through all the names, but you can look it up. The cast has been announced. There's two more bits of information, and this ties back in to a movie we keep talking about, it seems like, almost on a weekly basis. But the Suspiria remake has a final runtime, and it's clocked in over two and a half hours long. So wow, be prepared. Oh, we're, for our asses are going to be in that seat for a bit, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. So We are going to need edibles. We're definitely going to have that. And if they're showing it down the road at Southgate... Then we'll have edibles and munchies. Damn right. So one will feed the other. <laughs> so that was really cool. So that is coming out November 2nd. And the last bit of information I have, because of Suspiria, Goblin will provide a live score for Suspiria Ooh. screenings throughout the U.S. later this year. So there has been a couple of places that have been announced. For those on the East Coast, they're playing in Raleigh, in Atlanta. That's going to be in October. I wish I was going to be in Atlanta because they're playing on Halloween at the Earl. So for those who are listening in Georgia or the surrounding area, get a ticket and go see Goblin. Out here, the closest it looks like they're playing might be in Seattle, Portland, or Salt Lake. But they're playing in November. And they're actually playing on my birthday in Chicago, which I probably won't be able to make that. But 
Yeah, dude. I might have to look into that. Might be doable. I'll have to look into yeah. that. That would be pretty dope. But yeah, so for those who are familiar with Goblin, I know I've mentioned him a little bit last week when we did the Beyond. Claudio Samanetti. I mean, these guys are fucking legends. And they're pretty damn awesome prog rock artists, too. So check them out. But anyhow, that's pretty much what I've been up to this week. Not a whole lot else going on. Just right. trying to get caught up on the Instagram. That's about it. While you were doing that, I did have to look up at least one piece of news so that I was bringing something to the table. <laughs> other nice. than saying I enjoyed Castle Rock. Which is <laughs> big news, man. It's good. Something I've been excited for finally got its official release date. They're doing a chilling adventures of Sabrina. As nice. in Sabrina the Teenage Witch I'm on sure Netflix. It. It's finally has a premiere date of October 26th, which I'm super excited for. Although it seems like we're going to be having a lot to do around this Halloween. Oh, kidding, right? That's okay. That's fine. I just got to start getting into the mindset now <laughs> that it's going to be fucking busy then. Because no I am man. going to have to do this. I was a fan of the show back in the day. I haven't delved deep on all the Archie properties, but I kind of like them all. Mm-hmm. Just in general, I've always found them the kind of fun, wholesome retreat. From what I also understand is that they have been killing it lately. Like everything Archie related in comics right now is supposed to be fucking balls out good. No kidding. And no. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is based on the latest comic book run. It's supposed to be like a lot darker, a lot more macabre. <laughs> She's a witch defending her town from demons and shit. Like it's supposed to get pretty fucking yeah. dark apparently. So far, word from I mean, people whose job it is to sort of hype it a little bit. But the word is the show is supposed to be kind of almost like Rosemary's Baby vibe. A nice. little bit I of like, like a Crucible vibe. I dig that. That That's could be super creepy. dark. Yeah. yeah, dark. We'll see what happens. I'm really enjoyed Netflix properties kind of across the board in general. Yeah, not they just... do a really good job. So we'll see. 26th, though, October. October, man. So much going on. It's going to be a fun Halloween this year. I feel like I just need to look it up, but we might have gotten a release date for the rest of Castlevania, too. Ooh, sweet. Mm-hmm. Nice. I was a fan of that, too. I mean, it was kind of neat they only, what was it, four episodes they dropped? Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully they'll oh. do a little bit more. <laughs> also October 26th, oh. the second season, eight episodes drops. Well, nice. Hell yeah. That's going to be fun. And from where it left off... Looks like it's I mean, be pretty dope. we both really enjoyed that first season, but that first season is literally just like a prequel of things That's to come. That's basically what it is, yeah. It's four episodes of like, this is who you need to know for the rest of the story to actually continue. You know, that's a good way of looking at it. It's like a little prologue. It's like, here's what you get, and this is what you're getting yourself into. And it was still dope. Yeah, super dope. And like I said, it, it left on a really good note, and it lets you know what you're going to get into with this coming season. One thing I'm still disappointed with, they still haven't used any of the music from the game. Not yet. That's all I'm hoping <laughs> Fingers for. crossed, right? Such a good soundtrack. Nice. Fuck yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So If I could hear Goblin play the <sighs> Castlevania soundtrack. Dude. <laughs> well, maybe in between breaks I'll show you a band that actually did a lot of NES covers. And oh, they did cool. Castlevania. So yeah, that's going to be fun. It looks like October's stacked along with Halloween that's coming out too. And Yeah, I'm telling man, you, dude, we're going to have a lot to do. In- I'm okay with that, man. Anyway, let's get to this movie. They look like people. One, two, three, go.
Guts and Bolts. Yeah. We just got done listening to a bunch of fucking synthwave shit. It was yeah, pretty dope. <laughs> I enjoyed the shit out of it. But you also showed me, and we watched it together, the Castlevania. Oh, second season trailer, because yeah, I was jumping late onto that. Looks good. Yeah, it looks really good. That trailer was a lot bloodier than I thought it was going to be. Likewise. I was like, well, it's going to be hard to top Helsing Ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Definitely Still looking a little good. bit more like an action adventure, yeah, but sure. it's definitely set in a world with like vampires and demons and... It's supernatural romp of bloody goodness is what it looks like it's going to be. So Yeah, it's going to be fun. October 26th. But outside of that, we are in the guts and bolts, as we have mentioned, of our 81st film. And this week, we're doing the recommended They Look Like People from 2015, which I am really excited to talk about this film. I'm excited for a few reasons. First off, I think it's been a bit since we've done an indie film. It certainly has at this point. Which was something, part of what, when we got this recommendation, I was like, ooh, because it immediately made me think of like, remember how fun it was to watch Found? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and then getting to watch Headless. Or like Raw. Raw was fun. I mean, we've done several. I mean, we talked about Savage Land. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So there's... Oh God, we could go on and on about Savage Land. Yeah. Fucking love that movie, love the experience that came with it. Man. And so love you, Simon, fun. if you still listen. Yeah, Simon. Still huge fans. So, yeah, we're no stranger to the indie scene, and this is another gem in the collection of indie films. Thanks for the recommendation. I have a feeling you actually... I didn't actually read the press kit for this movie, even though (laughs) you sent us the link in the email. Yeah. So So I think you're going to have the guts and bolts on this one. It's no problem, because it's very simple. It's kind of a bare-bones cast and crew when you think about it, so... Actually, you know what? Let's lead off by doing like a little synopsis. Oh, synopsis. Yeah, that's a good call. Two friends reconnect in low points of their lives, but one of them thinks he's being called to fight demons. Yes. <laughs> I mean, without giving too much away, I think it's a good way to just kind of taking a sneak peek into what this film's about. Mm-hmm. And who's going to break? Ooh. One step closer to the edge. <laughs> Yeah, so with that, we do have a multi-talented person who has helmed this film, and this is the director, the writer, cinematographer, your editor, and part of your sound department, and this gentleman is Perry Blackshear. Now, in the EPK, the Electronic Press Kit, it says, Perry Blackshear spent most of his childhood wishing he was a mountain lion. Perry is an alumnus of NYU's graduate film program, the IFP Emerging Narrative Lab, and the IFP Post-Production Lab. So I don't know if this is still up to date, but he was working for a digital agency in Brooklyn while preparing his second feature film. So before I start mentioning that, before he did this film, because this is his debut, he did a lot of shorts, and some of those shorts were The Act of Bravery, Serenade, Dovetailing, and Vlad and Boris's Song for Sarah. And he does have an upcoming film. It's called The Rusalka, and it's slated for, it looks like 2018, this year, perhaps. I think it's in post-production. So along with Perry on the sound department side, which he was a designer for the sound. I have a gentleman by the name of Jordan King. He's the mixer on this film. And he's done some mixing for the television show The Leftovers. He helped with the ADR mixing for three episodes. He was also on Voltron, and he was, I think he was the recording engineer for that. Oh, wow. Yeah, a couple episodes of Voltron. Like also, Voltron Legendary Defender? Like the more recent one, yeah. Yeah, which is dope. Oh my god. Since we were just getting down to Synthwave, just as another little throwback to the 80s. Yeah. Dude, Voltron. I know I've said it to you before, but it's super good. Nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> now, that's the one I did grow up with, but I have not kept up with it <laughs> for a long time. 
Alright, so for those who are fans of the animated side, he's also responsible for being the engineer for Tangled Before Ever After, which I believe is a TV movie. And, because I know you're a fan, he was an ADR mixer in 2017 for the show Preacher. Also watch Preacher, everybody. Especially because this latest season is really good and is a lot more fast-paced, in my opinion, than season two was. Although I really like the Angelville storyline anyway, I've been waiting forward to this. So nice. Looking forward to it. So Well, I have seen through season one. I need to get caught up for sure. Maybe I'll be the next one. Season two is a little bit slower in it's my okay. opinion, but it's not bad. There's still some, I like there's slow some burns. really fucked up revelations, especially about God. Nice. <laughs> you know what we know. Oh, dude. God gets so fucked up. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that because where it left off in season one, I'm in for a ride. So with that, in our art department... I have Laura Johnson. Now, she is the photo artist on this film. She was also the photo artist on Balrog, Behind the Glory. Uh, a few of the producers on this film, along with Perry Blackshear, we have McCoy Andrews, Evan DeMichel, and Kimberly Parker. Our production company are They Look Like People. Our distribution companies are Film One Sundance Channel. They helped with the 2016 Netherlands TV Limited run. The release dates for this film, it had a premiere at the Slam Dance Film Festival, which is in City Park, Utah. This is for, like, mm-hmm. indie filmmakers. So it had its premiere January 25th, 2015 here in the States, and on August 30th, 2015, debut at the Film 4 Fright Fest in the United Kingdom, which was actually a pretty big deal. So, you know, if they invite you to come over and be a part of that Film Fest, it's a pretty big deal. Along with that, I have an unofficial tagline. Didn't have a budget. I didn't have any numbers on this film. I would imagine it's like a super micro-budget film. The unofficial tagline I have is Love, Loyalty, and Living Nightmares. All right, so that kind of wraps up the crew, and now we can talk about the cast a little bit. And I've already mentioned a few of these names, but one of our main actors on this is McLeod Andrews. He does play Wyatt. I'm going to go back to that EPK and give you a little description of who he is. McCloyd is a company member of Rising Phoenix Rep Theater Company in New York City and has performed in a number of shows off-Broadway, including Slipping with the RPR and Rattle Stick Playwrights Theater. As of March 2015, he performed in Thieves by Charlotte Miller, which was commissioned by the RPR and Rattle Stick. It says he's also entering production in a new horror feature. This was back in 2015. I'll probably have it written down. He also leads a double life as an award-winning audiobook narrator with over 200 titles to his name, which I thought was pretty cool. So some of the films that I have him starring in are Found in Time. He was in the film Split. He was in a film called They're Inside. He's in two upcoming films, one I've already mentioned, The Rusalka, and A Ghost Waits. The next actor I have on this is Evan DeMichel. He plays Christian in this film. Now he's an actor and filmmaker who's living in Los Angeles. Some of his credits include The Busker, there's 40 Days and Nights, movie 43. He's also in the upcoming Rusalka, but he also performed in Vivian Bang's film Lift Others, an L.A. Love Story. The next actress I have is Margaret Ying Drake. She plays Mara in this film. She's also been in things such as Let's Be Out, The Sun is Shining, 59 seconds, and she's in the upcoming Rusalka as well. Now, she was a lifelong friend with our director, Perry, because they went to NYU together. Most of all these people went to college together. I won't say childhood friends, but they've been friends for quite a bit. Cool. Yeah. So, I have two other credits, and that kind of wraps up our cast and crew, but I have Mick Casale. He plays a psychiatrist in this film, and I have Elena Greenlee. She plays Sandy 
in this film. Now, she, I believe, is a director and producer of her own projects. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that, like I said, is pretty much our cast and crew. It was kind of a short one this week because it is a micro-budgeted indie film. And a debut for Perry and all that good stuff. So Yeah, so for that, that's our cast and crew. We gave you a synopsis. I guess we can give you some warnings leading into this film. Okay, so this is a weird warning one because as far as what you actually see on screen, this is kind of down with Troll Hunter and like Creature from the Black Lagoon as far as actual objectional content on screen, I guess. There's a couple images of terrifying images. A little bit of blood, but there's not too much in the way of actual no, that's pretty violence or, or like seeing where the blood's coming from. There's no actual like gore. It's just right, a exactly. couple of blood shots. It's super tame. That being said, I still wouldn't still like, no, it's don't like let kids watch this movie. No, no, no. And not only that, but I think for the most part, it's this a is very psychological movie. Yeah, I'll tell you, this one will go over a lot of their heads. It's going to get into you. It's going to fuck with you a little bit. It certainly does. It's not a slow burn because it's not a long film, but it has a little bit of for that. Us, for this being an 80-minute movie, this is a very slow burn. That's what I'm getting at. It still has that to it, but it's done for good reasons, and the payoff is pretty damn decent. So what you're actually going to see on screen isn't bad. Not much. What this movie's going to try to make you feel could make you pretty uneasy at times. So. I would agree. So this one is, like you were already alluding to, it's a little bit more on the psychological end of it. And it's harder to rate that, so that's pretty much the best warning we can give you. So I guess without further ado, that's pretty much the guts and bolts in a nutshell for yeah. this film. Yeah, shit, I guess we're just getting into how it made us squeal. I'm ready. God, what's happening to me? God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh God, what, what's going on? Oh Jesus, come on. Oh my God, what's, what's going on? Where, where am I? Oh, gee. Why? Why? Come on. Somebody. Somebody. Ah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Somebody. Somebody. Ah. Sir. Come on. Somebody. Somebody's there. Somebody's got to be there. I will shock you. Come on. Sir. Come on. Sir, you must listen to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? All right. Let's squeal about this. Heck yeah. So maybe a good place to start is we did allude to the fact that this was a fan-recommended film. And we talked about this person briefly because they sent us an email and you know said they were a new listener and some of the films that they listened to, etc. they really enjoyed. And then they said drop this one and we had a filler to fill and glad we chose I mean, you're one. not just filler. No, no, no. The, what I mean the, is the that fact we, is, so we, we looked through the list of movies, and yeah. some of them we'd seen before. Yeah, for sure. And weren't didn't really. And, that, and that's why much. we're like, okay, cool. Let's look into the ones that we haven't seen before, because it seems like he has a good fucking taste in horror oh, movies, no considering he's recommending shit like Creep, which we both did Creep. So oh, good. Yeah. We keep saying he Brett. 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 Hey, Brett. And as I was looking, okay, cool. They look like people. Seem like really blue skirt up. Looked it up on the Wikipedia immediate thing that jumped out to me i'm like oh this sounds kind of like frailty it really does it has some moments too that kind of feel like we're watching frailty and i don't mean that in a way to put it down in any way no, hopefully nobody takes it like that like we both do not like it's derivative or anything no, i'm no, just no. like oh shit like i love frailty so if something's going to remind me of frailty then more the better um, the way i look at it turns out i'd say that's not completely off for this movie not completely it has its moments of that I think knowing that, too, it's like the director definitely had some influence on this film, which is, you know, nothing outside the norm. 
And I, I like some of the homages and the way you incorporate it into this film, which is really cool. So I'm not sure, as I was going through it in my head, thinking about this movie for the last couple of days. Ooh, because I actually watch this on Saturday rather than Sunday like I normally do. Yeah, I started so it Saturday, finished it last night. So it's actually been in my head a little bit longer than some of these other movies that we talk about. As I was thinking about it, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to say yet, but I do want to preface no matter what I say, because there's some parts of this movie I do feel a little bit critical of. Overall, I really fucking enjoyed this movie. I'm going to end up recommending this movie to people. Likewise. Let's get that out of the way first before I say anything else that makes it sound like I fucking hate this movie. Because <laughs> right. there's a chance that's going to happen, because yeah. I realize I do have some mixed feelings about some of the things in this movie, but I feel like overall it adds up to an extremely satisfying experience. So, Yeah, which I can completely understand, you know, whether you sit on one side of the fence or the other, but... I honestly, I mean, for the few faults it has, I don't really have a whole lot to say against this film, to be quite frank. Right. It's just the overall feel of this movie, to me, I came away thinking, like, although I enjoyed it, I couldn't help but think, if somebody watched it and they're like, you know what? Nah, not for me. I'd be like, you know what? No, I kind of get it. Yeah, I, I get mean, that. It's, it's totally not for everybody. Especially because I do feel like it leaves a lot of questions up in the air, and some of them are fun. I think some of them how you answer them maybe sort of reflects how you took in the movie. I would say that's probably a good way to see it from somebody else's perspective. Some of them maybe weren't intended to be asked, but that's what you get when you have an unreliable narrator at times in the movie. Good point, yeah. But I do think some things feel unfulfilled. I feel like there was a number of setups in the movie that never got paid off. But overall, Jesus Christ, like, I super enjoyed this movie. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if you want to lead off on some points. I mean, I just have a couple of thoughts, you know, as far as the film itself. So first off, the one thing I really wanted to mention about this film is it's hard to explain how, but it has some of the best use of just atmosphere and just being able to just tighten up your emotions through just the visual and emotional storytelling of the characters. Mm -hmm. Most of this movie hinges on just when is this guy going to crack. Once you find out that, uh, God, I can't remember which one is which. Wyatt is the one who visits his friend. Okay. Yeah. Once you find out Wyatt's crazy, the movie just becomes kind of like a ticking time bomb. It really is. And that kind of lends to its slow pacing and the buildup of perhaps the tension, the drama that this film is entailing throughout the tale. One of the things I want to talk about is on the second time through, first time through, I tried to watch it too late on Saturday, decided yesterday after I was doing all my little shenanigans <laughs> that I'd watch it, I'd complete it. And I was like, man, this is really good. And there was moments where there's lulls and stuff like that, put it on pause, got distracted. But what I was mentioning with the second time through was honing in a little bit more and the thing that jumped out to me were the audio cues in this film. Like, Perry and his partner Jordan on this, I think they did a phenomenal job. And it would have been kind of neat to see it in the theater to see how what was happening to one of our characters through the use of audio. Mm -hmm. How they used it, you know, whether it was in surround sound or if they were using it, you know, on one side or the other. It would have been a little bit more interesting. But with that being said, for me noticing those audio cues in that person's mind or what was happening to them it was triggering these other series of events so i kind of saw those cues or i felt those cues as they were happening like this was building to something something's about to break on the audio stand i, I really liked whenever it came back to christian it would snap you back with really calm the, the self-help with the self-help actually so let's ooh since we're bringing up the self-help anyway okay 
Let's skip to one. Actually, it was one of my end notes. What do you think about the twist of the motivation tape towards the end? I and thought how it was it's, how it's not like a store bought motivation. No, it to- tape. it's totally not. I mean, if it were, that'd be a really odd one to get in your collection. <laughs> but I thought. That but you was... had to assume that that was it the entire oh, time, for, right? Yeah, because there's nothing else that would lend you to think otherwise at that point. I mean, it would seem like any audio book or audio self help tape that you would get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right. That reveals like, oh, damn. It seemed both heart wrenching, but some about it seemed a little creepy too. I can understand that. Yeah, a little bit creepy. I think it kind of lends, especially to him. at the point of the movie that it comes. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Where he's already like in the middle of breaking <laughs> in a spiral, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of adds another layer to what he's going through as a character. But that's kind of what I like too is knowing they give you little hints about who he used to be when they were growing up. He was like a skinny kid. Seemed like a pushover. Mm-hmm. And through the self-help and maybe because of that split, who knows? I mean, we don't get that much. But it lends a little hand to like the reason why he is what he is today. So I want to make sure that I didn't just lull off. One of the questions that is left is we never find out exactly what happened with his relationship, right? Or did we? No, I think he just said they split it off. But I don't think he ever really goes into detail what happened with them. Because I have a theory. Okay. I feel like we don't actually know what happened with Wyatt's breakup. I feel like even though Wyatt tells what happened between him and his gal, I don't think he told his story. I think he had been creeping enough at that point and in his delusions enough that he found out what happened with Christian and just told him his story. That's interesting. I can't sort really of say. his being yeah. like, hey, man, I'm feeling for you right now. Because, oh, my God, their friendship was so fucking believable on screen. Yeah, I mean, you could tell these guys had been friends for a while. And <clears throat> some of the things that I liked about it were the bits where it was more relatable, like growing up, the sleepovers, and they're playing blobbies and sock wars. And, you know, they're kind of reliving their childhood at mm-hmm. this point in their life and at this stage too it's kind of neat going back and looking on it. it's like man it didn't feel like it was that long ago but i'm sure most of all of us have had those kind of experiences with our friends oh and especially how it just felt like they just just natural no matter what what was happening they were falling back into this routine that they had around each other mm-hmm. and there was things that could just be left unsaid yeah they were kind of picking up where they left off perhaps I thought that was one of the strong parts of this movie. I mean, the acting and director in general are the strong parts of this movie. Oh, no doubt. Um, Back to my original point that I was making in the very beginning about atmosphere. This movie, strangely, even though it's much different, reminded me of Monsters by Gareth Edwards. I don't know. if Did you ever watch Monsters? If I did, I I don't remember. It's super vague. I mean, I know what it is, but I don't know how much of it I watched. Low budget monster movie big ass monsters out in the desert people are fucking have a hard time getting through the territory with the monsters it's like little mini they don't look anything like it but it's basically the equivalent of having little mini godzillas running around you know what i mean (laughs) yeah because they're not quite that big but they're fucking big but it was low budget so he had to make do with the building of atmosphere and the fact that danger could be around any corner rather than showing the monsters all the time do they show up yeah every now and then because I think he had a little bit bigger budget than these guys had. But it was such an effective movie because he was able to build the, oh shit, something could happen at any time. And this movie has that in spades once you know that Wyatt's gone off the deep end. 
Yeah, it is really cool. Now, we have to, I guess, give a little disclaimer here, and I am definitely not an expert on this subject, but we have to point out the elephant in the room is the fact that this movie is predicated upon the fact that this character has a mental illness. And what I mean by I'm not a, an expert is that I don't have any formal education in it outside of the fact that I do, and I'm not going to mention their names, but I do have a friend that has uh, clinical schizophrenia and paranoid delusional symptoms. So I know a little bit of what triggers that and how he kind of has to deal with it and keep it at bay. But watching this film, it made me wonder too, like for people who do suffer from these mental illnesses and, and these symptoms, is how it affects them <coughs> watching this film. Like how do they perceive what that character is going through compared to what actually happens and how the director and the cast pulled it off. Right. So what I'm kind of getting at with that too is the way that he incorporates that illness. You don't necessarily know whether this film is like an apocalyptic end of the world kind of shit or, yeah, as this guy going through a mental episode and he's involving these characters and it influences them through his actions and how it's triggered. It was one of the things that almost let me... It didn't quite let me down because there was still so much tension there, but I do kind of wish towards the end that it would have been played with a little bit more, like, is this really happening? I know what you mean, yeah. Because at a certain point, it is kind of like it's in his fucking head. Yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, you can't help but notice when it is in his head, yeah, Mm -hmm. and then the rest plays out, but for me, even at the end, man, I was still uncertain of which direction he was going to go in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I had no idea which direction he was going to go in. The way this movie ends might set up one of the first big questions that we can start to work off of. Do you think that that ending means that Wyatt is going to get help or that Christian has snapped? (laughs) Do you think Christian is now his Otis? No, no, I don't think so. (laughs) No, I mean... In a darker realm, I would say yes, (laughs) but I don't think that's the intention of this film. I would like to believe that at the conclusion of those series of events, that yes, Wyatt is going to seek help, that Christian is there to help him, like kind of guide him in this journey, and that it's okay, and that he knows that his friend is suffering from this illness, and he's just there to help him in any way you can. For me, a tipping point, I guess, or like something to tip the scale toward that direction is where Chris tells him, he's like, look, I'm scared. He's like, I don't believe what you believe, Mm -hmm. but I believe that you believe it. And he's like, look, I trust you. So just trust me because I trust you and we'll get through this. So, you know, that's kind of direction I feel like they're in at that point because they're both going through like a certain break in their lives and it's their friendship that's going to get them through it is how I feel about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Given the murkiness of how even got the rig that got him to the town in the first place, <laughs> yeah, and the fact that we know that Wyatt is already an unreliable narrator when it's yes, he when is. it comes to it, we can't quite trust what he says. No, because as a part of the illness, is <laughs> your mind's playing tricks on you. So yeah, we've dealt with this before in narrators: how trustworthy they or untrustworthy they can be. So working back from the end. Do you think he actually killed Mara? <laughs> God damn, that's a good question because we don't know. I mean, it's all speculative. All right. Once again, I would say in that dark, like if this was a dark brooding film, I would say, yeah, he killed her. <laughs> Without I question. I feel like he might have killed her. 
<laughs> I think I think you're right at the end where he's yeah. going to seek help at the end, yeah. but that moment hadn't happened for him yet. That's true. It certainly hasn't. It's been just on the kind of upward scale. And he was kind spiral. of at almost his lowest point at that point. Yeah, for sure, man. At that point in the film and perhaps in his life. I don't know, man. That's, I mean, all right. The story, as far as it's been played out, is that these voices have taken on the females in these gentlemen's lives. It starts off with a deep manly voice, perhaps, maybe like an inner voice. And then it projects itself out as his ex-fiance and then as Mara at one point. But with the projection of those voices, I'm also wondering too, we really don't know what happened to his girlfriend after their breakup outside of the fact that he told us. Right. But like you were saying, how trustworthy is that? Is that more of a projection of what's going on with Christian more so than him? And not only that, but he talks about the shapeshifters and that narrative keeps playing out. Like these are your enemy. You have to kill them. They could be a friend your relatives, etc. So maybe playing on that frailty thing, he's carrying out a duty and he has to do it. So mm-hmm. who's to say that he didn't kill her? We don't know. Maybe. Um, I know that's a long-ass answer, but I mean, there are things that kind of tip both ways. And then the one other, and this one I, I don't think he did, but the way it all played out, especially with the audio cue coming in towards the end and the fact that we can't trust him, did he kill his psychiatrist? So that's another thing. He might have. What are those phone calls were just like hallucinations or delusions at that point, you know? There's this audio thing that's triggering him. Has he killed? I mean, why else would he be fleeing? <laughs> <laughs> he just randomly shows up at his buddy's house mm-hmm. or his apartment. Has a friend that he's staying with up the street. But <laughs> I think just reading the notes from the director himself, <laughs> I don't think any of that's playing out. I mean, it, it's fun to play with those ideas and concepts because... This I think any of them work. It certainly when does. You watch, watch it's the one movie. of these films that, yeah, I mean, because it's not completely 100% written on paper or expressed in the film, it leaves these windows open. It's just, it's subjective. <laughs> you know, there's no right or wrong answer. And then the most important question do I do a better golem than him? Oh, you know. <laughs> Stupid fat habits. It's pretty damn solid. I was laughing. When he did it, because I was like, man, that's kind of a big deal in our generation. Is how good is your Gollum voice? Like, mine's shit. I'm not even going to try it. But you've got a good one. Don Santo has a pretty good one. <laughs> and Wyatt has a pretty decent one. McLeod, he does a pretty damn decent one. I'll give him credit. So because of that, because they're playing on that stuff, I do want to bring up a couple of points in some of those scenes. Is the fact that they're singing... Or, you know, they're doing that refrain from... Johnny, Johnny I Hardly Knew You. Yeah, Johnny I Hardly Knew You. And I read a little bit about the song. Like, I'm familiar with the song itself, but I'm not familiar with its story. I'm uh, mostly familiar with the Dropkick Murphys version of the song. They're good. <laughs> and, of course, the Ants Go Marching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of us are familiar with that. <laughs> so, looking into that story, from what I understand is that the story is about guy returning from the war and he's running into a woman he knocked up and he's all fucked up because of the war and he's kind of looking down on himself because he's all fucked up but she's like you know johnny i barely knew you so she's kind of giving him a second chance with their bastard son but it's also been adapted or adopted as an anti-war song as well Mm -hmm. depending on if you go back with the old irish aspect of it or if you go with like the modernization of that story, you can look at it both ways. But it's still an interesting thing that they use 
and a refrain because there is, in Wyatt's mind, a war that's impending and they're seeing an anti-war song <laughs> that's kind of leading them into that battle, per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was kind of neat. I wanted to talk a little bit, too, about some of the messages that he's been given. And I was like, well, I don't know a lot about this. You know, he talks about Golgotha and it kind of alludes a little bit like he's a chosen one. And I'm like, I wonder how much biblical stuff he's actually using in this film. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit. So I looked up Golgotha and it's modern. The place of the skull. Yeah, place of the skull. The name Calvary was derived from the Latin. Calvary. Yeah, Calvary. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering that too about Calvary, but that means the ordeal. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, well, perhaps. But I was wondering how much Wyatt, perhaps, or... Perry was writing that character in his mind like a chosen figure, a Jesus-type figure that has to sacrifice himself, perhaps. And I was wondering why, too, they were using that Golgotha reference, because that's where (coughs) Jesus was crucified. (coughs) Yeah, so it made me wonder about that reference and why he would use that particular word and kind of setting Wyatt Mm -hmm. up to be uh, maybe a martyr for this war. So, yeah, I was kind of curious about that, but that's kind of what I got out of it. It's like, oh, it's kind of a neat metaphor just a reference like i keep saying i really fucking dug this movie i think if you think of it in the absolute darkest terms all the way throughout then this movie very much becomes a mashup of henry and frailty dude for reals i was thinking a little bit of that too when you were mentioning henry i was like it hasn't just a there's pinch a little, it there's a pinch of henry in this yeah movie. i mean because they're playing off that friendship i mean in that form and henry it's a lot more fucked up but in this it's still a friendship Mm -hmm. It's just their bond's a lot tighter. I mean, he's all about trying to dominate, and he gives in himself at the end that he doesn't have to believe it. He just has to believe that he believes it. You can interpret it in the dark way if you want to, in which case he becomes Otis. Yeah, I mean, he's at that point, yeah, you would think he's more in that submissive state. Or he becomes the son in frailty. Yeah. Also, is it weird that they keep going back to power tools to kill demons? I was thinking that too. I was like, oh, there, there's the axe. There's the axe. Like, it doesn't say Otis on it. But. No, but we get the hint. Now, what I was going to get at that lends its hat a little bit maybe more to Henry is there's a scene where Wyatt's coming up the stairs, and I guess he's got all those tools and whatnot, and he actually confronts Christian about the impending war, and he gives him that note. This is after his exchange with Mara. Perhaps he killed her. Mm-hmm. But when he confronts him, he's like calls him soft and he's a pussy and it's like whoa that's the first sign that we see of that because throughout the entire film he's being a little bit more on the passive side mm-hmm. he looks like he's just kind of going through the motions and just jiving off of whatever christian's jiving on so not this time this is for real so i guess to jump in to kind of the part that let me down a little bit i feel like we got set up on a lot of violence that never paid off oh yeah for sure the knife strapped under the table should have been a Chekhov's gun. You would think the way that it was setting that scene up and just the knife of it. As well as the learning how to fucking choke someone out. Oh, I want to talk about that just for a second. That was actually improvised. Oh, but still. Margaret, yeah, no, no. It's You would think that, yeah. like Being highlighted that much? All right. Two that's, points. That should be a setup. Good. That's kind of what talking about Simon. This is where we can hang a lamp. And in my case, two lamps. <laughs> All right. So off that point with the choking, and I was talking about that that was improvised. So apparently, Margaret, she knows judo. Mm-hmm. And while they were filming, it was like a spur of the moment thing. She actually like flipped them, Christian or Evan in this case. And that was a real response. And then, of course, they were going through the rear naked chokeholds and all that good stuff. 
So I don't know how much of that was improvised, but she knows judo. But the other lamp I want to get off too, you're right. It's like, this film is kind of a setup for like what a serial killer would do. <laughs> Learning how to use maneuvers, how to choke people out. They've got the power tools, uh, sulfuric acid to melt the bodies. <laughs> yeah, not just playing with the nail gun. No. But figuring out how to actually shoot with the nail gun. Took the spring out. That's why I'm thinking like, this movie might actually be the dark version throughout and we're just not getting to see the payoff. You know, the cool thing about it as well. Did he kill those kids people, down on the street? He probably did in that realm. So what I like what you bring up with this is it also is plays... Is he imagining that he's yeah. actually being the good guy rather than his fantasies are being fulfilled? Exactly. Like Henry, where it's his fantasies coming to life, and instead he's imagining that he's not doing it when he's... Actually doing it? Yeah. Could be the anti-Henry at that point, I suppose. Mm -hmm. All right. What I want to say is I'm glad you bring these points up is because... This whole film, once again, is predicated upon the fact that it's told primarily from the perspective or the narrative of a person with paranoid schizophrenia. So he, already off the bat, it's not trustworthy, right? Mm -hmm. And so on one hand, yes, this film can be viewed as like ultra-violent when we're just not seeing it on screen. And like you were saying, Wyatt, in his mind, he's actually not going through with it. He's the good guy. Right. And in reality, perhaps those crimes have been committed, right? But on the flip side of that coin, we can also watch it from what we're saying. Like, he's just struggling with this illness. He's on the brink of breaking. And his friend Christian is helping him out of that pit. But, like, so you could play that narrative. And I like the duality of this film and here, for that reason. And I think in the end, especially when you consider the name of the film, the title, mm -hmm. I think in the end, you should eventually come to interpret it all the good way. I would hope where so, Where he's just yeah. a man with a, an illness. Yeah. And uh, which is kind of, I mean, the title, they look like people. Exactly. Sounds really derogatory. In a way, it's just kind of pointing out, like, you don't know what struggle somebody's going through. Yeah. It just looks like any other person. This film, for me, it was a little bit more, not like wholly personal, but... Because I mentioned that I have a friend that's going through that particular illness, that it was like, man, I can kind of, I can sympathize a little bit more with what that person's going through and try to think of it like, what are these things that are triggering him? And then looking up, you know, like, what are the things that trigger him? And, you know, alcohol, of course, is one of them. Some of this stuff, too, from what I understand, is there was a study that confirmed that a lot of this stuff happens when you're a teenager. Mm. So when he's looking back, on like those old Philados, it was from them as like little kids. It was looked like maybe high school age. Right. So maybe something along those lines kind of went haywire, but that brought him back to like a good spot in his life with his friend. And yeah, so, you know, looking at it that way is like, yeah, in a lot of ways, friends and family can get you through those dark phases or in the worst case scenario, it could lend more to that spiral. So I'll read a little bit of what the director had to say about mm -hmm what made him want to do this film in the first place. So he said that years ago, he said one of his best friends was going through a really bad time in his life. He said in his dreams, people he loved were dying gruesome deaths. And he says he began to believe normal people were being replaced with like fake people. Okay. And so it got to a point where he said that that friend started believing like there were voices and people like watching them through computers. And it just got to a point what where... What up NSA? Yeah, all right. What are what up FBI, <laughs> CIA, all that good shit. But what I'm getting with that is that 
he had a friend that was going through that. And the way that he got through it, his friend that is, is he had support. Otherwise, it could have been bad, mm -hmm. right? Because the guy was getting to the point where he was having really bad thoughts. And once you go down a certain road, some of that shit leads to like self-harm, which was a little bit portrayed in this film. There was a point where I was like, oh, damn, this is getting real dark. <laughs> like with the nail gun. I was about to say, I was wondering if there was a point in this movie where, where gonna we were going to get martyrs, oh, where man. the movie we thought we were going to get isn't that. <laughs> God and damn. <laughs> I know, right? So I honestly, for a split second, I thought he was going to kill himself and that Christian was going to come home and oh, find man. the body and the movie was going to solely become about his downward spiral. Because he was already breaking at that point. <clears throat> yeah, Some of it, man, in a weird way, it reminded me a little bit of Breaking Bad. Maybe because of the suits. But, <laughs> but I was like, there is you know, still that bond, like this connection that these characters have. Not to that extent, but yeah, well, there's is this weird playoff. Part of what makes the terror of the situation work so well is how human their friendship feels and how... Either one or the other, the characters show so many different characteristics that people can latch on to. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Because I alluded to the fact that there's a lot of things in this film which are not only natural, like all of these people are friends, and their dialogue and what they do in this film. It feels genuine. It doesn't feel like you're watching a performance, not wholly, but it kind of gives a little bit more credence, you know, to like what we're talking about here, but... With that, dude, I do want to mention some of the funny bits because this film is not completely bleak. No. It has some pretty decent little comedy in this. One of them I do want to talk about, which I giggled a little bit, is right after the whole shit that happens with Mara, he phones up her friend Sandy and then he goes, visits her, and the first thing he says to her is he mocks her. Oh, yeah. Man, look at me, I'm Sandy. I almost died. Now I wear a pillow on my neck. <laughs> And then she calls him out. I was like, God damn. Yeah. So there was a bit of that humor, and then she reeled his ass right back in. She's like, no, nah, not so fast, bro. So, I mean, she kind of called him out. I mean, she did call him out. Like, she knew there was something wrong with him. Mm hmm You know, like, yeah, yeah, it's schizophrenia. His talk with that psychiatrist, he's like, yeah, I looked it up. I don't have that. And then he hears that buzzing. And then that's when I knew something in him. He wasn't trusting that person, and he saw that person as a demon. But... Anyhow, with the humor aspect, I thought that was funny. I thought when we talked about that little judo and stuff, he touched her butt. Mm -hmm. That was kind of funny. Even when he got punched in the face, he gave her the thumbs up. Right. That was <laughs> that pretty was, great. I thought that was pretty funny. So, I mean, these guys, they have a little bit of, you know, that improv skill. And I heard a little bit or read a little bit that Perry, he was in an improv group in college. and oh. play like some piano for it and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you could kind of tell their skills were at play there. So, you're Christian. You get fired. You go back to your desk. You find that note. Oh, man. How do you not go fucking... Rage. Fucking rage. Or I was thinking fucking Scarface in Half-Baked. <laughs> oh fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> I'm out. <No>. Deuces. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck not, man? <laughs> That's kind of a shit move. All yeah, his coworkers. I was like, and then oh, look at them. They're just kind of like sons of bitches. Yeah. Oh man, I'm pissing on somebody's computer screen. <laughs> yeah. It's going down. Something's happening. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, that was fucked up. That was a dick move. Because I mean, we understand. You're cool. <laughs> yeah, we understand that he's kind of going through like this machismo thing. Like he's trying to build himself in a, in a better light for himself. But 
Yeah, that's a dick move, dude. <laughs> Way to dominate, asshole. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. I get he was probably being an asshole, but come on, guys. He doesn't seem like an asshole No, he didn't really anybody. seem like an asshole. No. It seemed like he was just listening to that tape most of the time. Right, and just, you know, looking at himself in the mirror, calling him, don't be a pussy, don't be a bitch. It was more of a self-reflection, mm-hmm. more so than a projection on people. Whatever. Anyway. I know, looking too much into it. But with that said, too, man, I mean, this film really does a good job of tackling that subject and doing it in a way where it's classy. It's for people who want to look at more of it as like a maybe an analysis on the mental condition of people and their illnesses attached to it is it gives you a little bit more perspective on what triggers it, what are the symptoms of it, what can happen if Mm -hmm. it goes unchecked. But not only that, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like something that's a dark secret, something that you have to keep hidden. It's okay to be out in the open with it. It's okay to seek help is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Or... In our case, because we love horror, you can look at it like, that motherfucker was killing everybody. He killed a motherfucking ton of people. Yeah, I don't think that's the ultimate. Like no, you said, but it, it'd be fun It's about the it. mental illness. Yeah. But it leaves it open. He could have killed a lot of motherfuckers. Honestly, this film could be told in the same narrative, but you could totally use what we were talking about. You could make it that super dark because it leaves itself open to it as well. So... It's fun to play with films that make you think about stuff like this, you know. You can look at it both ways, and you're still not entirely wrong. This movie super impressed me, has me looking forward to the Rasalka. Yeah, it looks uh, promising. Makes me wonder how literal or not the title is. As you know, I like dark folklore. Rusalka is essentially a Slavic folklore mm-hmm. water spirit slash mermaid commonly associated with spots where people died in the water especially suicides but not always it's interesting so we'll see what happens with that huh it's interesting i'm going to watch it because this movie was really brilliantly done so yeah i'm happy for the fact that he's using most of all the essential cast in this again just lets you know that they trust him that they have a really good working relationship so yeah, it's fun when you can see a debut like this and hopefully see the progression throughout his filming career and hopefully he gets a bigger budget so he can be a little bit more expressive. But it takes a lot to make a film on a minimalist budget and do something that he pulled off. So I'm glad this was recommended. Thanks again, Brett, for recommending this. It's another one of those fan-recommended ones too where it's like, how come I didn't see this earlier? I guess there was one other thing that I kind of wished that they would have played on in this movie. I wish they would have made it a little bit Babadooky and just sort of had like figures in the background in different scenes and stuff. Yeah, like, they only did it once. Just one time, and yeah. that was you could already kind of tell that that was like a dream sequence. Yeah, oh yeah, that was kind of a dead giveaway. No puns, uh, but yeah. But I kind of wish that after that happened, every once in a while you would just see like <laughs> a figure in all black just standing in the background. Yeah. And I think it would have just... I don't think it would have been out of place. For no, it totally would not have compared, you know, considering you're right. Just my add-in. Keep me yeah. in mind. Keep me in mind. We, we saw how very minimal... I don't work for much. You <laughs> still keep your minimal budget. Yeah. Well, I was say, you saw how minimal they used their special effects in this. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, they were on a shoestring budget, but they still did a good job. Yeah, I agree. So we thought we had a plan for next week, but then it turns out that life is getting in the way. Yeah, so we're going is. to come up with a plan for next week. In order to listen to us after we come up with a plan, <laughs> please hit subscribe however you're listening Smash to us now. Button. 
you can always go to our website, www.friedsquirms.com, and there's links at the top to other ways to listen to us, or you can find the latest episode streaming down at the bottom of the site. Everything in between is filled with our latest episodes, our Instagram, which is Fried Squirms Podcast, our Facebook, Fried Squirms, or our Twitter feed at Fried Squirms. You can also always email us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or, I mean, the contact on the website works. It works. I already mentioned We've confirmed it several times, yeah. And once again, you know, we're still open to recommendations, if you have suggestions. You know, if you just want to give us a shout-out, you know, we're here for you. And we would really appreciate it if you would, like, rate us on however you listen to us because that actually helps shit it definitely does and spread the word we love the word thank you birds the word we could be your bird that's right i don't even know what that means but i'm ready to be your bird just so you spread our word word (laughs) yeah i'm all for that but in the meantime i enjoyed this episode it was a lot of fun another great recommendation agreed for this week fried squirms out. out